0: Hey there, welcome to the Favorite Church Podcast. We are a church for imperfect people who want to know God and make him famous. In this episode, we'll be hearing from our senior pastor, James Aiden. Last week we started a series called uh, The Good Fruit, which is already up there, great job, The Good Fruit. And uh, we're looking at a few of Uh, the fruit of the Spirit. I'm probably not going to go through all of them. Earlier this year, I preached on love pretty intensely. You can go back and get that sermon. Uh, uh, Pastor Willem, a couple weeks, preached on joy. Last week, uh, I preached on faithfulness, and it was a challenging message for me to preach uh, because it's just a challenging topic. And, uh, I love that as we're talking about the good fruit, all these fruit of the spirit, that at the beginning of chapter five, Paul sets up sort of this teaching that he's about to get into by telling us that we have been set free, uh, for freedom's sake, that Christ has set us free for freedom. So when you encounter Jesus and you get set free, what are you being set for? You're being set free of your former life. You're being set free of the sins, of the abuses, of, of the wrong words spoken over you. And you have been set free for freedom so that we can live a free life. Instead of the desires of the flesh, we now have a spirit, a Holy Spirit living in us that will produce fruit. Galatians 5.22, let me read them again. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. So last week, we started it with faithfulness. God is faithful to us. I, I proved through his word and through our own lives that God has been faithful to us. And so in return, we must be faithful to God and we must be faithful to those around us, following through on our commitments and our word, being reliable, being steadfast and being unwavering. You know, when we talk about the fruit, it's intentional that Paul here uses a singular language instead of a plural language when he describes the fruit. He doesn't call it the fruits of the spirit. He calls it the fruit of the Spirit. And the reason why, that's not just a mistake. It's not just Paul forgetting to put the S on the end of fruit. The reason why is that when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, you can't pick and choose which ones you want to actually have operate in your life. You can't pick. You can't say, okay, I I want faithfulness, but I don't want to be kind. I want love, but I just want to be angry, so I'm not going to have joy. You can't. If we are living by the spirit, then each one of these fruit should be evident and growing in our lives. A devoted follower of Christ should be reflecting these fruits in our life. This is the thing about fruit that I've noticed. It takes time for fruit to grow. It starts with a seed that goes in the ground. you got to find the right soil. You put the seed in the ground. You water it. The tree begins to come up, and then the fruit will grow. And even as the fruit grows, it still takes time. From that butt of the fruit, it takes time for the fruit to go. Let me tell you, when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit in our lives and us reflecting it, God is not looking for perfection. He's looking for progress. If you... Hear all the fruit of the Spirit. You're like, wow, I'm not very good in that. I'm, I'm struggling with that. I'm not doing... That's okay. God's not looking for perfection in that area. We'll never be perfect. But I tell you what God is looking for. He's looking for progress. If there's progress, there, that means we're living by the Spirit. Growth is rarely seen in a moment. You don't wake up one day... And you, okay, how can I say this? My weight. (laughs) Right? I don't realize I've put on weight because I see myself in the mirror every day. You don't realize it. I don't realize until I come back to church. And some of you amazing, lovely people, hey, Pastor, wow, wow, Pastor. (laughs) COVID has been kind to you. <laughs> right? You, you don't know. You don't, I mean, some kids, I just saw a kid today, my God, I feel like he hit puberty at some point in the last year and a half, and he's just gotten bigger. I've seen kids. There's been kids. There's been babies that have been born in our church that I still haven't met yet of families that I love because of COVID. I haven't seen them. And yet they're growing up. But every day you don't see the growth every day. But sometimes it's a picture. Sometimes you're walking by crown and you see the mirror and you wow. And you look at yourself and you, you realize you have been at the, you know, it's like growth. You don't usually see growth day by day. But if you keep at it long enough, you're going to see the growth. And I'm telling you, other people are going to see the growth inside of you, and it's going to become obvious. So when I talk about the fruit of the Spirit growing in our lives, it's a progress. It's a journey. I'm asking you, don't give up on the journey. Keep walking in your journey. And so today I want to continue this series, and I want to talk about a fruit of the Spirit that's possibly one of the most difficult ones in my life uh, that's taken a lot of time to grow and is still growing, and it is self-control. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, have some self-control. What, what is self-control? Self-control is having restraint of your actions, your feelings, or your thoughts. It's having control over self. Another way to look at self-control is that you are thinking before you act (laughs) and you are identifying consequences that could change your initial desire or intention. Thinking before you act. This little concept took me about three decades to really get my head around. I Grew up acting, sometimes not even thinking, but just acting without thought. Walang, thought. <laughs> Bawel Matalino. Does that make sense? Pude. Yeah, Bawel, not allowed, smart. Anyways, <laughs> I'll be preaching at the tiglish service next. Three decades it took me to work out how to think before I act. Have you ever been in a situation where you're in the middle of the situation and you thought, "How did I get there?" Having saying so- to yourself, "I wish I hadn't done this." Anyone, come on, anyone been there? You're like, "How did I? I wish I hadn't done." I- now, three decades, I'm telling you. I'm a lot better now with my self-control. But, if there's an area I struggle with, with self-control now, more than anything else, it is, it is food. Sweet, beautiful, life-giving, food. Making me happy, food. Taking sadness away, food. Come on, anybody, come on, this is the Philippines. We love food. We eat together. Some people much more than others. But when it comes to food, I, have, I, I struggle with my self-control, controlling what I eat. You know, they talk about the battle of the mind, dealing with sin, dealing with lust, you know, dealing with integrity. My battle of the mind is dealing with McDonald's on the way home. I get in the car, start driving home instantly. This little demon pops up on my shoulder. Just, just do drive through. I'm like, no, there's too much traffic. No, there's not. There's traffic everywhere. It'll be fine. No, my wife will smell it on my breath. That's what juicy fruit is for. I start arguing. I had this little demon. I'm like, just have it. Why have a quarter pounder when you can have a double quarter pounder? There's not much more carbs. It's just more protein. It's more healthy for you. Do you know I found out the other day that a, a healthy wrap from Salad Stop, a healthy wrap has more calories than a double quarter pounder with cheese. <laughs> Who's lying to us? Right? I struggle with self-control. Even yesterday, we had the men's breakfast yesterday. Right, We had good breakfast, sausage, eggs. And then someone brought donuts. Just left it out there. Taste me, right? (laughs) And I look, I get the eggs. I just had my protein shake because I just went to the gym, self-control, right? I'm like, I'll have some protein eggs. You know, I'll get in there. And then I go along the line and there's donuts. It's sweet. Duncan's sitting there going, eat me. Eat, taste me, you already worked out, you've already worked it off. And I had to sit down into in my head, I'm trying to connect, hey, how you doing, man? And I just hear this, eat me, eat, I'm still available. Right, I struggle so much Come on, lift your hand if you struggle with food. Come on, lift your hand, let me see who else I got in here. Yeah, and if you didn't lift your hand, you're a liar. <laughs> It's a fight, but there's so many other areas in our lives that we fight against, right? Have you ever felt out of control in different areas of your life? Have you felt out of control maybe in your finances? Maybe when it comes to your morals or your integrity, your ethics, maybe when it comes to uh, your drinking or your substances that you take, maybe it's out of control in your relationships. Maybe you feel out of control in your laziness or your procrastination or Maybe you feel out of control in your desire to feel love and accepted. Is your life out of control? You know, self-control is something that the world often talks about, but they kind of always deal with the fruit of the problem instead of the root of the problem. In the world, when we talk about self-control, it's all about behavior management and discipline. Behavior management, you know, change your behavior, change your discipline, you know, get discipline, change. And those things are good. Don't get me wrong. I, I think that discipline is great. I think that behavior management has its place, uh, but it's not dealing with the core of the issue. As the fruit of the Spirit grows in us, here's what I talked about last week. For the fruit of the Spirit to grow in us, it doesn't just magically begin to grow. We need to partner with the Holy Spirit. And spiritual self-control deals with the core of whose we are, not just our behavior. Self-control isn't easy. There's always... At least one area in our life that is challenging us in. And you know how I know that self control is not easy? I, you know, I, I, struggle, deal with it in my life, but maybe that's just me. No, you know how I know it's not easy because even in a perfect setup, right? Even in the most perfect of perfect setups that has ever existed in humanity, uh, self-control was still an issue. When we go back to Genesis through 3 and we see the beginning of the story, Adam and Eve, naked and unashamed, prancing through the garden, riding hippopotamuses naked. What a world to live in, right? And then all of a sudden, that little serpent comes out out. Hi Eve. Hi Eve has got a lisp, right? The serpent has a lisp. Hi, sunny day today, Eve, right? And so he's there. And, and, and what happens? Eve eats the fruit. She didn't have self control. Now, I don't know if that fruit was the most gorgeous fruit you've ever seen. I don't know if she was just not satisfied with the rest of the fruit that God had provided her and she just wanted it. I don't know if it was the promise of knowledge and wisdom that the serpent gave her. I'm not sure what it was, but Eve lacked self-control in that moment. And we're here today because of a lack of self-control. If humanity failed in perfection, then of course, we're probably gonna fail now. But this is where we get the power of the Holy Spirit to come into our lives. And as we live, not by the desires of the flesh, but as we live by the Spirit, we partner with the Spirit and he will begin to help us grow the fruit of self-control. So what can I do to grow self-control in my life? Here's a couple thoughts I have. First is this, self-control is not about doing what's best. Okay, this is a confusing point because you're like, wait, what, isn't it? Isn't it supposed to be about doing what's best? Uh, see, outside of God's kingdom, this is what we're taught. You need to do the right thing. You need to do the best thing. You need to do the best thing for you. But biblical self-control is not about making choices that we feel are best. Biblical self-control is about making choices that God thinks are best. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, do not be conformed to this world So don't make choices and decisions based on what the world says you're supposed to do, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Biblical self-control, it forces us to align with kingdom principles and those principles are reflected in our choices. So let's go back to Galatians 5, because uh, uh, Paul sets it up. It's for, for freedom that Christ has set us free. And then he talks about how to live by the Spirit. And then he gives us this list of like sins that we should stay away from. Desires of the flesh, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, amenity, strife, jealous, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, eminence, drunkenness, and orgies, right? And it's not just in this passage. In other areas of the word of God, we see different lists of things that we shouldn't engage with. These things are outside of how God wants us to live. But here's the great thing about making choices that God thinks are best. By avoiding each one of these things that God wants us to avoid, we will become better human beings and live better lives. If you avoid it, God is not the KJ. He's not killjoy. He's not saying, hey, I'm going to take everything that's fun and good, and I'm going to let you do it. God is not a killjoy. He knows every single one of those things that seem fun and seem good all have an expiration date on them. And at some point, you're going to wake up, and the night before is going to cost you the next day. If the consequences of sin were immediate, no one would do it. So when we actually do what God wants us to do and avoid, have self-control and avoid these things, we will become better human beings. These worldly desires that I talked about, they're based on pleasure, either short-term pleasure that I want to feel good or pleasure in making ourselves feel better at the expense of other people. Practically... Having self control is the ability to say no to ourselves and to say yes to what God says should be done. So think about this. When do we lack self control? It's when we don't want to say no to the things that we want to do, the things that are good, the things that are pleasurable. Or maybe we say yes to procrastination or putting off doing the right thing. In other words, we lack self-control when pleasure and comfort is our primary motivation in life. However, with self-control, we have the strength of the spirit to say no to the selfish desires and to say yes to what is right. It's not just about doing the right thing, it's about having the right motivation. God's will should be our primary motivation for activating self-control in our life. What does God think? Just because it's a good idea doesn't mean it's a God idea. Just because God said to that person to do it doesn't mean that God wants you to do it. What is God's will for your life? When the will of God and doing God's will becomes our motivation, that's when self-control can really begin to click into our lives because we will begin to live the way that God wants us to live, living by his will, not just by how we think we should. And as we begin to live by the will of God, we will become better human beings. People will actually like you more because you'll be kinder, more generous, more loving, more full of joy. Us becoming a better human being is not the goal. Us doing God's will is the goal. Us becoming a better human being is a beautiful product of us doing the will of God. So how are we going to grow self-control in our lives? By getting our motivation right. It's not just about doing the right thing. It's about doing what God thinks is the right thing. My second thought is this. Self-control helps us overcome temptation. <laughs> How many people have been tempted in the last three hours? <laughs> just put, put up your hand. Let me see. Come on. Come on. Let me see. Great. Thank you for the honest ones. Uh, the last seven hours. Put your hands up. What time is it? Okay, 1 a.m. last night. Uh, the last nine hours. <sighs> 12 out, right? Hey, we all get tempted every single day. And whenever we get tempted, our self-control is tested. If you want to know how much you've been able to partner with the Holy Spirit in your life, it will be reflected in the results of our temptation. We got to always, always look at Jesus as our greatest example. And as I look at Jesus... I see not just the savior of the world, but I see a, a, a man who was tempted, tempted in the most craziest ways. In Luke chapter four, it tells us the story. I'm not going to read it, but it tells us the story of how Jesus goes out and he fasts in the desert for 40 days. He's out there 40 days. I cannot, I cannot fathom not eating for 40 days. I struggle when I haven't eaten for 40 minutes. Jesus is out there for 40 days and he's in the desert. It's not even like it, like he's in the desert. It's hot, it's dry. And then the devil shows up, I'm here. And the devil begins to tempt him. He starts tempting him about his hunger. Hey, if you, Jesus, turn those stones into bread because you can do it. And then Jesus replies with this incredible uh, phrase. He says, "It." is written. And then the devil begins to test him with power. Does he have power? Uh, And then the devil begins to test his divinity. And he even twists scripture to try and get Jesus. And each time, uh, Luke tells us that each time the devil tempted Jesus, his response was, it is written. And he stood against the devil on the foundation of God's word. All right, let's skip to another part of scripture. Let's look at another part that Jesus was tempted. In Luke 22, right before he was betrayed by Judas, it's a famous story of Jesus going to the garden of Gethsemane and he begins to pray. This is what it says in 22, verse 41. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and he knelt down and he prayed saying, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven and strengthened him. In this moment, right? Maybe you've never seen it from this this perspective before. In this moment, Jesus was tempted to walk away from his calling. Jesus is 100% God, but he was also fully man. How? I don't know, mystery box, right? He's fully God, fully man. And I believe this is where his humanity comes out. If you're willing, he knew He was about to be beat up. He knew he was about to undergo the worst kind of physical torture that the Romans had come up with in order to kill and make an example of the worst of the worst criminals. He knew he was about to do it. And so in that moment, he had a temptation. God, I don't know if it's, if you're willing, God, you know, come on, take this away from me. But what does he do? It's only for a moment. And in that moment, his own response, it's almost like he says his temptation and then he answers himself with this, but not my will, but yours be done. So in the first temptation out in the desert, Jesus stands upon the word of God when he's tempted and his self-control is built on the foundation of the word of God. In the second temptation, his self-control is built upon his desire to do the will of God. You know what this shows me plainly in the scripture? That our self-control is built upon the word of God and finding his will through the word of God. If you don't have the word of God, the Bible, living, active inside of your life, reading it, understanding it, going deeper, then you will struggle with self-control. You will. Jesus was God, yet still he stood on the word to come against temptation. Jesus was God, yet he stuck to his father's will to come against temptation. We have to be careful because the devil is out to get us. First Peter chapter five, verse eight, it says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour If you think to yourself, if you're going through some bad times, you're like, wow, just really hard stuff's coming against me. Yes, stuff is coming against you. It's the devil. He wants to tear you down. He's a lion. He's waiting. But here's the thing. I love this imagery because it says he's prowling around like a lion, seeking someone to devour. The devil can only devour someone that gives him permission to. So he prowls and he waits And he prowls and he waits until we lose the focus of the word of God. We lose God's will in our life and then we lose our self-control and that's when he comes. So how do we counteract this? It's not all bad news, it's good news. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, 2 Timothy chapter one, verse seven. This is an incredible promise from God. It says, for God gave us a spirit not of fear. So God didn't give you fear. What did he give us? He gave us power, love, and... Self-control. So God hasn't given us fear, but he's given us power, love, self-control. In other translations, it says a sound mind or self-discipline. And self-discipline and a sound mind both lead back to having self-control. God has actually given us the spirit and he's given us power and love to help us in our self-control. Because God has given this to us, we have to, and I'm going to say it again so we get it, Partner with the Holy Spirit to see this grow in our lives. Our self-control cannot be based just on behavior modification because it's based, if you have just behavior modification to change how you act, the moment that your surrounding or your settings change, it will screw you up. If you rely just on discipline, it's going to screw you up. When COVID hit, I was going to the gym every day beforehand. I was like, pow, 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 pow. It was good. I was relying on my surroundings. I had guys going to the gym with me. It was awesome. We were there together. I, my behavior was a result of my surrounding. It wasn't a result of my internal discipline because the moment COVID hit and my surroundings changed, I did zero exercise, right? Because my, it wasn't, a but then there was other guys that were like doing workouts on the floor, YouTube workouts, you know, doing their little things. And I hated it. I just, I got, I got fatter and fatter. And all of you told me that I did. You saw it just get worse and worse every week on online church. It just got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, right? So when it comes to our behavior, if you're struggling, I'm struggling with this behavior in my life, that behavior, behavior modification, it's only going to do so much for you. Because when a new friend comes in, when a new surrounding comes in, when you get a new boss and you've been going, you've been going, and all of a sudden something else gets entered into your life that challenges what you've been disciplined in, it can challenge us and we can actually lose self-control. Our self-control has to be based on partnering with the Holy Spirit. It has to be based on God's word and his will for my life. It can't just be because I don't want to do it. My wife. I love my wife. I always talk about my wife in sermons. She says, stop talking about me. I said, I want the world to know how much I love you. I don't, I don't ever want to have an affair, right? Like, surprise. Uh, all of you went really quiet when I said that, like it was almost a shock. No, no, I don't. I don't understand how guys do it, honestly. I have enough emotional capacity for one woman. I don't understand these guys. I don't know where they get their emotional capacity from to handle more than one woman. I got one woman and that's all the Lord has given me the capacity to handle, right? I I love my wife, but my desire to not have an affair with her, my core foundational desire, it's not actually about loving her and not wanting to hurt her. Hold on, don't get angry at me, right? Hold on. My desire, my core, core foundation of my desire for wanting to commit and be faithful to the vows that I said to Kate on our wedding day is actually because I want to do God's will in my life. It's not actually because I love her. Now, I love her. Listen, stay, stay with me here. God's will for my life is that I would love my wife and cherish her and lay down my life for her. I am more afraid of God's reaction than my wife's reaction to ever having an affair not because God is mean and God is bad. I'm not trying to paint a scary picture of God. It's because I love God so much and I want his will in my life. I want to do his will. And so as I do his will, here's the thing. Then I look at my wife and I love her and I cherish her and I lay down my life for her and I have no eyes for anybody else except her. And yes, she's beautiful. And yes, she's got a great personality and she's a great mother. But actually the core reason is I want to do God's will for my life. And a product of doing God's will is I become a better human being. I become a better husband. I'm driven by God's will, not just my earthly desires for my wife. And boy, is there earthly desire there. For some here today, our struggle with self-control is less to do with behavior management and it's more to do with the foundation of who are you following. Whose will are you following in your life? Is it God's will or is it your own? For some of you that have been struggling, and I know, I know the struggle, man, I've struggled with this my whole adult life. I know the struggle. I can't, and you're struggling and and you do stuff you don't want to do and you regret it the next day and you do this and you do it and you're sitting there going, why, why? My challenge to you is this, get off the hamster wheel that you're going around in all the time because ultimately it's because you're doing your own will, not God's will. When you're your own will, it's just going to be the hamster wheel. And you're going to keep going and keep going and keep going. But remove yourself from it and say, okay, God, I want to do your will. Isn't this, have you ever, I, many of you have never thought about this, that your self-control is actually connected to God's will. We all just thought self-control was going, God, please don't let me do that bad thing. It's actually not. It's actually connected fully to doing God's will in our life. The third and my last thought today is this, is that self-control ties together all the fruit. You know, as Paul was writing about the fruit of the spirit, the first one he said was love and love is the foundation. Without love, you can't have any of the fruit of the spirit. Everything is built upon love. But I love that he kind of bookends, right? He has love at the beginning, says all the fruit, and then he gets to the end and self-control. So love is a foundation and self-control is kind of the last fruit here. And I wonder that maybe why Paul put it at the end is because self-control kind of ties all these fruits together. See, it takes self-control to show true godly love instead of lust and infatuation, to love others the way that God has loved us. Ephesians 5, 2, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. It takes self-control to love. Uh, It takes self-control to have godly joy when we're facing difficult situations in life. First Peter chapter one, verse eight. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. It takes self-control to actually stay away from negative mindsets and to enter into a joyous relationship with Christ. It takes self-control to get along with others and make peace instead of constantly getting in conflict. Come on, if you're in a family, say amen right now to that, right? Matthew 5, 9, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. It takes self-control to be patient and to bear with others rather than condemning them. It's very hard to be patient. Someone say amen to that. Can't wait till we preach on that one. First Thessalonians five fourteen, and we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak and be patient with everyone. Man, it takes self-control to be patient. It takes self-control to not automatically look out only for yourself, but to have kindness and to look out for people around you. Philippians 2.4, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. It takes self-control to let someone else eat first. It takes self-control to sacrifice your needs and wants for the wants of others. If you don't know what I'm talking about, have children. And actually love them the way that God loved us. It takes self-control to be kind. It takes self-control to do good, to have goodness, to go through the narrow gate towards life, rather than the evil wide gate to destruction, which Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter 7. And it takes self-control to be faithful and to not walk away and give up on your commitments, even in the small things. We read it last week, Luke 16, verse 10. One who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. And it takes self-control to be a gentle servant of the Lord, showing compassion and mercy with real love as God loves us. Second Timothy two verse 24, a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone, be able to teach and be patient with difficult people. This is the power of the fruit of the spirit of self-control. It's connected to everything. And it's connected to everything when we understand that it's a result of doing the will of God in our life. Without love as our foundation, And self-control, tying everything together, the fruit of spirit will not grow in our lives. I want the fruit of the spirit to be evident in my life. I want you to come up and go, ooh, there's kindness. Ah, There's goodness. Oh, there's patience. (laughs) Oh, wow, there's love. There's joy. There's peace. You know, I've struggled with self-control since I was a child. Man, you know, I was the kid that my mom was like, don't have that chocolate, and I'd sneak into the fridge and grab it. My son is that kid now. You know, it's so true, you reap what you sow. Have you ever heard that concept before? My son, just like, he, he lacks self-control. Man, when I got older, with girls as a teenager, putting effort into schoolwork, my... Substance. I had a, an alcohol addiction as a teenager with lust and infatuation, procrastination, keeping my mouth shut. Even, even, even now, even now I have to walk into meetings sometimes depending on who's in the meeting. And as I'm walking into the meeting, just to give you an insight into my mind, as I'm walking into the meeting, I'm screaming at myself, keep your mouth shut, keep your mouth shut. Don't say anything. Don't make a joke about what they're wearing, right? Don't like... I, I, have, I, I still struggle. I still struggle with that. I've struggled with self-control my whole life. It's funny. Uh, I've really, I've really, really struggled with self-control in an area other than food. But um, with online trolls in the last couple of years, years, especially since we've gone online in our church. Uh, a few years ago, I remember a few years ago, one of the young guys in our church, he's a he's an actor and he called me up. I was actually in Australia and I was preaching at the time and he called me up. He's like, Pastor James, there's there's all this stuff happening on Twitter. All these people are against me and, and everything and, and and I haven't done anything wrong and but they're saying all this stuff. And I was like, bro, just chill. It doesn't matter. Who are they? They're faceless trolls. They have no lives. They're idiots. You know, ah you know don't don't mind them. And I mean, we're talking like, you know, tens of thousands of people trolling, right? I'm like, bro, water off a duck's back, bro, right? I'm like, you're, you're okay, right? And so I'm doing that. He's like, oh, okay. I'm like, let me pray for you, right? Yeah, God, just help him. These faceless trolls, who cares about them, God? Right. Last year, when we started online, I remember I got one prayer. One person wrote a negative comment about me. <laughs> I wanted to call fire from heaven down. One person, and I'm like, who the hell? Who do you think? You don't know me. You don't know. I'm praying. I'm doing that. I got kids. I got, who do you think? What? What? <laughs> One person, (laughs) right? One person. I called up that guy. Bro, how do you do it, bro? How do you do it? Go along, bro. Go Right? But I've had to. I've sat, I've talked about how to be a Christian online and not a jerk, right? And I share, I have written out paragraphs of replies and I've read it and read it and read it. And then as I've read it, I just feel the Holy Spirit just whisper so kind into my heart, James. You're a senior pastor. <laughs> so that's when I log out and switch to my burner account. And then I, no, I don't, I don't. I don't have a, I don't have a burner account. I just pay people to defend me online. No, no, I don't do that either. No, but hey, it's tough, right? Come on. We all have social media. It's tough. Self, self-control is tough. And, and as, as, as much as I joke, the Holy Spirit does whisper, But you know what he says to me? Not, hey, you're a senior pastor. He just says, hey, you're a Christian. And that convicts me. It really does. Online, whatever I'm doing, when my eyes wander, man, I just get that conviction from the Holy Spirit. Have self-control. You know when your self-control is really tested? The exact same way your integrity is tested. When no one's watching. Don't tell me you have self-control until you've been able to resist the temptation when no one's around. Or when no one will find out. And how do we do that? How do we do it? We partner with the Holy Spirit because the spirit of God has not given us a spirit of fear so we don't have to be afraid of the temptation, but he's given us power that we can stand up knowing we've got the power of God. He's given us love and he's given us self-control. I stand on the word. Look at that thing. No, it's written. Don't look at that thing. Drink this. No, it's written. Don't get drunk. Try this. No, it's written. Don't let this. Right. Why? Because I want to do God's will in my life. I want this fruit to grow. I say this most weeks, but I want to say it again. This is a message that I am preaching to myself before any one of you. It's a message. This is a lifelong thing. Sometimes we reduce the fruit of the spirit to a cute little song that we teach our kids church. The fruit of the spirit's not a coconut. I don't know if you've heard that. It's the fruit of the spirit, not a coconut, right? Well, of course it's not a coconuts, right? And, but it's like, sometimes we leave the fruit of the spirit in kids' church and we don't realize that it's, it's the foundation of our Christian walk. As we have found Christ, all these things will come up and self-control ties actually all these fruit together. In a moment, I'm gonna pray for all of us for self-control. Anyone else? Come on, does anyone else need prayer this morning? Show me your hands if you want me to pray for you. Just, just as we partner with the Holy Spirit, I'm putting every b- part of my body up because I, I need the Holy Spirit to come and help me. But the only, the, the only way that we can partner with the Holy Spirit and He can help you in your self-control is if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe you've never come to a point in your life where you've acknowledged who Jesus is. He's not a his, just a historical figure. He's not just, you know, the, the, the nice painting uh, uh, that you see on the jeepney as it drives by. You know, he's not just the son of the big statue, golden statue outside. No, no. He, Jesus is the son of God. He is Christ. He is Messiah. He is the chosen one. He's the son of God, and he lived a sinless life. He died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. He went into the grave, but he defeated death and he rose victorious. In the Bible, when it talks that we should believe in Jesus, it doesn't mean that we should just believe that Jesus existed. It's that we should believe who he is, his claim to be the son of God, which means there is no other way that you can attain salvation, no other way that you can get get to a God, whatever name you call the God, the big guy upstairs, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. There's only one way to him and it's through Jesus. There is only one God and it's God, the father, God, the son, and God, the Holy ghost. And you can only get there through Jesus. And maybe you've never come to that point where you said, Hey, forgive me of my sins, Lord, forgive me of the stuff that I've done. That is wrong today. I want to lead you in a prayer. Then we're going to pray for self-control. So if that's you, come on, can you all bow? Your heads, close your eyes. If you're watching online, if you're in an outdoor service as well, I want to uh, give you an opportunity to, if you're here and you're saying, you know what, I've never made this decision to follow Jesus. I've never asked him to forgive me of my sin, the stuff that separated me from him. If that's you, I'm going to count to three and I want you, whether you're in-house here or whether you're online or outdoor, I want you to lift your hand nice and high because I want to pray for you right where you sit right now. If that's you and you're saying, Yes, I want to respond to Jesus. Maybe you did this a long time ago, but you walked away. I'm not asking if you had a bad week or a bad month, a bad season. We all go through that. I'm asking you, you know, you don't have a relationship with Christ at all. Well, today, if you're saying, James, I want that on the count of three, I want you to lift your hand nice and high because I want to pray for you. One, two, three. Right now, lift your hands all over this place. Awesome. Here in the front, here in the middle, here in the front, up on the sides. Thank you, Jesus. Up in the back as well. Thank you, Lord. It's awesome. Up here as well, up in the back. Couple up there. If you're online, please lift your hand in your bedroom. God sees. That's what matters more. I want to pray a prayer. Now, everyone here is going to join with me. And it's a simple prayer reflecting. What the apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 10 in the Bible, he says that if you confess with your mouth and believe, not just believe the story, but really believe that Jesus is the son of God. He's the only way to the father. If you believe you will not perish, but you'll have eternal life. So come on, pray this prayer with me. Say dear Lord Jesus. Come on, if you lifted your hand, put your hand on your heart right now and everyone say this. Say dear Lord Jesus. Come to you right now. Come to you right now. And I ask you to forgive my sin. I believe that you died on the cross, but you defeated death and you rose victorious. You are the true son of God. So right now I ask, please come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Can you give God praise for all those hands that just went up? Thank you so much for listening in. At Favorite Church, we're a family, and we believe that the Christian journey should not be done alone. If something really spoke to you from the message, we would love to connect with you to talk it over. Or if you prayed the salvation prayer, we'd also love to be able to share more about the decision that you've just made. Please visit us at next to learn more. If you want to share this podcast with a friend, simply tap on the share button and send it through. We love you. We're praying for you. Till next time.